Bulletproof is not a matter of <laughs> you're not going to get hurt. It's not a matter of you're not going to you know die at the end of this trip. It's not a matter of you're not going to feel pain. You're going to probably feel all them things, but it, it means you're going to rise up regardless of them circumstance and them situation. Welcome to episode 53 of Give Yourself Some Leeway with me, your host, Eugene Lee. Today, I'm joined by Gary Clinton, and he shares his story of hitting rock bottom, his personal growth journey, and coming out on the other end, wanting to get into coaching to help other people. And Gary talks a lot about developing a bulletproof mindset, but what does it really mean to be bulletproof? And how do you get there? Uh, We cover that a lot in this episode. And yeah, just let me know what you think of this episode and what does a bulletproof mindset mean to you? You can reach out to me at eugene.leeway on Instagram, giveyourselfsomeleeway.com or shoot me an email, eugene at leeway.ie. Thank you. And I really hope you enjoy today's episode with Gary. Gary, it's great having you here on the show. Welcome to Give Yourself Some Leeway. Thank you very much, Eugene, for the invite. Um, I look forward to having this you know, hour or 45 minute clip podcast we're going to have here. The, the biggest challenge I'm going to have is holding this microphone for the whole duration of this, but uh, let's have a fun. Awesome. Let's aim for that hour. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing when it comes to coaches, we tend to follow this similar pattern I've discovered, and that's that we've had this rock bottom or moment, re- moment of realization. And from that, we have this awareness that we need to better ourselves. And somewhere along this journey of personal development and growth, we get a spark or a vision that brings us into coaching, whether that's part of the self-development that we want to just serve others, or maybe we don't want others to experience the pain that we went through. So what was that like for you? And why do you do your coaching today? So... I can take you on a, a two-minute version, a, a four-minute version, or five-minute version, Eugene, which one would you like? Let's go for the five minutes. <laughs> okay, awesome. So thank you for asking, Eugene, uh, about this you know, burnout or this rock-bottom stage that happened in my life. And it's great to you know, be able to prepare for such things. And I always think to the listeners, I think it's a good idea to know your own story, you know, know your own script, know what has happened in the past, and be able to you know, elaborate and say that story out loud. So as I get into my story, yes, I practiced this dozens and dozens of times. So if you have never gone back in, in, in the past and revisited your own story, well, you know, it, it actually shows that you've, de- you, you've dealt with that and you're able to communicate that. So there's the first minute, Eugene, okay? Second minute, now we'll move into it. I, if we reel back the clock a couple of years ago, you know, at 16, my dad passed away and that obviously had a traumatic event in my life, but I was 16, didn't really understand and for Two years, I just played video games all day, every day. I didn't do much. And then at 18, I started to drink alcohol. It was actually a responsible thing to do in, in Ireland, if you're from there, of course, unlike a lot of my friends who drank alcohol 13, 14. So I drank alcohol 18, and then one weekend, I started drinking alcohol again, and then the next weekend, I started drinking alcohol, and the weekend after, and then the alcohol turned into, hey, do you want to try this? And then I tried that, and then I've done this, and then I've done that. And I started doing drugs and I started doing drugs this weekend, that weekend. And unfortunately, I started doing drugs every single weekend. But then not only every single weekend, every single day. Unfortunately, I do it in work. And I was doing it in places where I shouldn't be doing it. You know, the airport was a place I used to work. So I shouldn't be doing it there. Uh, I'm grateful that I, I changed that around. I get into that in a moment. But for the next two, three years, I just took, and I was progressively getting worse, I just took 
consistently amount of drugs, being in an environment with people that are not the best for myself. Um, they didn't really have much growth. They're not really your friends. They're just there as people that, you know, you'll see there on the party time, but you know, if, if, if stuff we hit the fan or we want to go for advice or some help, you're not going to go to them people, good souls, not your friends. You're in debt. I was in debt to people that I should have been in debt to, you know, not people you don't want to be in debt to. I was having arguments at home, a family as I was a young kid. It's a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges going on in my life. And it, it, you know, work, stress, pressure, driving around, feeling this guilt. Oh my goodness, Christ. It was not a positive feeling that I had in my life. And this all started chipping away on myself. It started chipping, chipping, chipping away. And, you know, fun fact throughout the process, I done my leaving cert, got the worst score in the school. No surprise there. Uh, I would say my dad passed away and that, you know, led to my bad results, but that's not true. Right? I was always getting bad results throughout the whole school. So uh, it, it's all good. And uh, it's actually a good success story, I believe I have in, in, in that regard. But this all builds up, you know, taking the drugs, the alcohol, the, the you know, the friends that you, you thought were there for you or, you, you know, not the best for you. And one day with doing just a ridiculous amount of stupid things like playing hand arts or, you know, doing running down the road or whatever, whatever, whatever it is, it all built up onto me. And this was my moment of my rock bottom. This was my Jesus Christ. I need to get help. And I did, and I needed to get the help. And I went and got help from my mom. I asked my mom, Hey mom, I really need help big time right now. I'm struggling because I was depressed. I was coming into suicide ideation. It was a, not a fun place for my life. Um, it's really interesting to, you know, re rewind the clock back until till that time frame compared to where I am now, just, you know, suicide wouldn't be even close to my mind now, but at that time it can be, it can just seem like the only way out. And if someone's out there listening right now, of course, reach out for help. You know, maybe some of the listeners are high achievers, go you. And I hope you keep that way, but I needed help. I got help, went to therapy, started my personal development journey. I told the counselor or the therapist, Michelle, she will, she'll, she'll be fine with me saying that. She's fantastic in North Dublin. Uh, if you want help, you know, reach out and I'll happily refer you to her. Uh, she'll help you amazingly. But I started my personal development journey. I told her I won't do drugs, I won't do drugs. And I failed and I failed and I failed. And then boom, I stopped doing them. I started the personal development journey. I started journaling, started meditating, started reading, started turning my life around. And these great things, it's not rocket science to be happy. I don't believe, I don't believe it's rocket science to be depressed either. And the, stuff, the stuff that I was doing was easily making me depressed. The, stuff, the new stuff I started doing was easily making me happier. My relationships started building up with my family, my friends. My career started getting better. I was becoming an A player in, in, my, in my work. It, it was so much better. So, so much better. And it's just because I've hit that rock bottom, this upward trajectory is just, it's like it's, it just, it's like it's nonstop. And I don't know if other people have, have had rock bottom or don't have rock bottom, have the same drive or motivation unless they do hit rock bottom. I'd actually think rock bottom can be a, a positive if you see it that way. <laughs> it could be the worst thing ever if you, if you view it that way. That was the worst time ever. Oh, this was so bad. You can see it as a positive. You know, my dad passing away is how I led into this coaching journey. Because if I didn't do the alcohol and the drugs and I didn't have a suicide ideation, then I wouldn't be able to help men with their mental health. So this is now coming into how I started my coaching journey. I went over to a, an academy in the UK and I 
talked to a guy called Tony V, not Tony Robbins, right? But Tony V and he helped me just kind of ask me a couple of questions of like, what is something you could help people with? And it was around drugs, it was around alcohol. And it's not that I'm therapist or counselor, but it's something that I could do help people with because I've experienced it. And I'm grateful to say that, you know, I've had testimonials and successes for people that have transformed their life around, you know, alcohol and drugs. And people have got their life back. It's same as myself. So there's kind of an introduction of that story of how I went through that traumatic time, come out of it, changed my life around, you know, a lot, a lot of success I didn't touch on. I only really touched on the negatives, but I, I also told how I got into the coaching industry. So yeah, thanks for asking Eugene. Yeah, of course. That's, that's some story, Gary. That's, <laughs> and that's, a, that's a lot you went through. Uh, one thing that you did mention there was the, the friends that are around you, especially when with all the drink and the drugs and stuff, was it, were they a massive influence in terms of, uh, uh, substance abuse was it something that was normalized by them and <laughs> and and let's say it's hard to get out of that circle or that out of that cycle then because even when you have your rock bottom and your moment of realization your friends tend to uh drag you down I, like sometimes it's when you start making positive changes they get to, like uncomfortable because it's almost like they're jealous that you're making the changes that they want to make and at the same time they feel like you're leaving them behind rather than them jumping on board with you so was it a matter for you that you had to leave some people behind and focus on your growth or did you let's say try to encourage other people to be like look i'm coming from the same position as you this is my rock bottom let's do this together hmm. It's really interesting that you're speaking to that now and currently in my life. And I lost a lot of schoolhood friends from that timeline, like just good friends that I had because I was doing substances. And I was, I was a bad influence on that. I don't know if everyone who takes drugs are, but I think a lot of people who are, who do take it are a bad influence. But so there was, again, them friends that I mentioned there that are not really friends. And they won't really be there for you. So they kind of just dropped off and you don't really have to think about them. That's how I found they just, you know, you don't really see them. They're probably still partying, but other friends that you used to be connected with, um, you know, that's, that's always been a tricky one for me and, and still kind of, it kind of is. And you mentioned points of like jealousy or, or some point of like, you know, why is he doing this? Or who does he think he is? And it's, it's interesting in that regard, as you, as you mentioned that to me, them friends that would have been there for me in the time of the drugs and the substances, they'll still always be my friends. They might not be my friends currently now, as in I'm going to go hang out with them on a day to day basis, but they've always been good souls and they've always treated me right. So I'm always going to respect that to the highest degree. Um, looking at new friends who I believe are, you know, making a positive impact. They're of course making a positive impact, but I want to make a positive impact on a different level, on a different scale. So moving into a new friend group is something that is maybe on, on the horizon right now. Hope that's answered the question. Yeah, of course. I think you definitely hit, uh, definitely struck a nerve there in terms of, I think sometimes people, they get the wrong idea when it comes to um, people who are negatively influenced in their life. And it might just be people who are uncomfortable with the growth journey that you're on. And they're used to the to the old Gary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They want you to, to stay in that comfortable zone. And they're like, but that's the Gary I know. I don't want to see Gary the coach. I want Gary, the party guy who's out every weekend, the, the fun Gary. 
<laughs> and it's 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 trying to be get them to detach from that identity of the party boy or the 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 fun guy in the weekends and see look he's he's doing something positive for himself and i'd like to see where his journey takes him and see and see where it goes rather than trying to cling onto the security of what they know or what they're comfortable with so it's it's how do you have that conversation with is or do you have that conversation with people um do you approach them and say look you're you, you, it's it's hard to have that conversation where you're saying like look i can't be around you as much anymore because i'm on this new journey and uh it's it's, it's a matter of look we need to spend less time together because this is a journey i'm on and you can either join me or we can just let's say stay in touch uh occasionally how do you have you how do you approach that conversation with with those kind of people so I definitely had that conversation and it was more of like, hey, I'm being an interrogator. It was more of just curious about their uh, options, their opportunities, their decisions, their future. And from that base in my, okay, well, you know, we're not on the same journey, on the same path. Again, always be friends, but it's not the same journey. It's not the same path, it's not the same course. And I found out with just simply, you know, being curious about their life, figuring out what's going on in their situation and if that lines up with mine. And it, it, it doesn't line up with mine, but also they'd they be still doing the same old habits that, that I don't do anymore. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. You, you know, if you go to the cafe, you're probably going to get coffee. You go to the bar, you're probably going to have a bar. You're gonna, probably going to have, you know, an alcohol drink. I don't, I don't drink alcohol now. I used to drink alcohol a lot. So I'm not going to go to them places and stay up, you know, 2 a.m. Well, I want to be in bed at 10. I want to be up at 5 or for 6. And I want to be getting after the day. You know, it's, it's a whole different life. So being in that environment, it's two different lifestyles. And we can't live, or I found, well, you know, I say you. I say I can't. Uh, I'm, maybe I should not affirm that ever to myself again, by the way. <laughs> but I find it hard to uh, be in that same environment with such people that are doing their own activities. And, you know, more power to them. But it's not in line with mine. It's not in line with the decisions where I want to go in my life. Um, so having a conversation, I had the conversation, but again, just basic, just figuring out what their future plans were, figuring out where they wanted to go. And that just helped me with my decision making. Yeah, yeah that, that is a great approach. And that's something that I've had experience with too, where uh, a lot of my friends, especially my old circle, and they always want to meet up and it would always be for points or it would always be, <laughs> let's go down to the pub. Let's let's head out to the bar for the night, and for me, like I I don't drink as much as I used to. Uh, I, it might be just very occasional, and uh, a lot of the time I like having the excuse. I'm like, oh, I'm driving, so I can't go out drinking. Uh, but then I like to to encourage them not to be in that drinking environment where it's all drinking and smoking. And if they want to meet up with me, I either recommend, hey, come over to my place, we can hang out in the garden, or um, I'll meet you with this place. We'll go for a walk. And they're both two positive places for me for growth. And it's where I get in the flow state as well, where I'm comfortable and we can just talk on a personal level where I find when you head out to the pub or to the bar and it's noisy and there's so much distraction, you only talk about trivial matters. Then you're, you're, you're not actually having a deep mm. connecting conversation with that friend. Mm. And that's something that I feel that is often missed out on. I'm not saying that there's anything bad with the the social scene of going out to the pub and meeting up with your mates and, and the like, but I find 
personally, I find that you get that deeper connection with those who you truly value and those who value you when you meet them in the likes of maybe going for a walk in nature, go down to the public park or meeting up in a quiet setting, meeting up for maybe coffee in a cafe or meeting up um, uh, even in your garden or at your house and just having that conversation, meet up for dinner. Um, so yeah, it's about not kind of setting a boundary as to where you meet those people as well. Yeah. And, and, and not always, let's say, excluding them from your growth journey, but setting that standard, setting that boundary. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. Meet meet people at positive places. If it is coffee, um, if it is, you know, I like to do it on a golf. You know, only only recently played it, only recently started, but that's just a beautiful scenery for me. So, then positive places is a beautiful place to connect or reconnect with people. Um, you know, a lot of times when I go to the pub, well, I didn't when I did, should I say, they'd be sitting in the smoking area. Like I, I hate smoking. I can't stand smoking. So it's like, this is just not the environment that I need to be in. And I think it's also important to note to any listeners, if it is a young male or a young female, it's like, it's okay not to go to them places. It's okay to actually go to the places that make you feel comfortable and make you feel energized and make you feel positive, like Eugene's garden. Everyone is going to be in my garden. <laughs> in the flow state. Yeah, sounds amazing. In their flow state. <laughs> Another thing you did touch on there in your story was um, Michelle. Was it the, the pharmacist? Was she like your first, um, let's say, accountability partner in terms of helping you to um, get off drugs? Yeah, therapist. And definitely first accountability partner. Um, would there be anyone else in that time? I could say my family. Uh, I could say my family, but I know I've lied to my family in terms of my substance abuse at that time so <laughs> it wasn't such good uh, accountability but to the therapist there uh, definitely a lot of truths a lot of vulnerabilities a lot of uh, open honesty and I, you know, she was open with me she's like i've done this for a lot and you're going to tell me you're not going to do it and you're still going to do it so there's no point in lying here if you did do it that's okay but let's know the truth here michelle helped me tremendously again if anyone wants north dublin you want to connect with michelle i'll happily connect you that's great. And it's it's also having that person. Sometimes I find that people look for an accountability partner and they reach out straight away to their family or their friends, but they feel that they can they know their ways around it and or or, or they know that if they're going for a family or friend, that they can be a bit more lenient in terms of their accountability. If if a family member is they're like, Oh, you're falling off track, it's very easy to brush them aside and be like, Oh, stop annoying me. But whereas if you have an accountability partner, like the way you had Michelle, that they're like, look, be honest, just be straight with me. You're did or you didn't stay on track. It's not going to, it. when you have that, let's say external accountability partner, where you feel like you're letting someone down and kind of externally, it's, it's, it's someone where the only connection is this accountability. And you're, you, you feel like you're letting yourself down that little bit more as well. So you're like, no, I'm going to hold myself accountable and come back and be like, look what I just did. I didn't do this for the past week or I did this for the past week. And here's what I'm going to do um, going forward to stop that from happening again. I can talk a lot to accountability partners as well. Not only that, that was my first accountability partner. You can count, call it. I never called it that, but now as you mentioned it, it is true. Um, I think there's like three levels or maybe two levels of accountability. One, telling yourself, I mean, that's just like, 
oh, I mean, come on, you know, and we'll have that, sure, right? It's good to a degree, but long term, I don't know if it's if it's great, you know. Then the other one, second level, would be telling the family, which is again another type of easy pawn to pawn off. Another one would be like level three is like signing a contract or signing some sort of agreement with some sort of accountability partner. I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna do whatever it takes for that. I had an accountability partner recently, and I still do. Just like I mentioned before, show I'm pretty ill right now, so they, my friend, me and my friend, we get up at six a.m. and we call at six a.m. And we call at 7 a.m. We call at 8 a.m. And we call at 9 a.m. Each morning for I don't know how many mornings it was. Stop now, unfortunately, as I talk about this. But this is the power of accountability. Six, seven, eight, nine. We'd be doing 50 push-ups at every single hour. And the amount of productivity you can get done throughout a day when having someone like that who is, I don't know if it's coach or if it's a friend, it's great if it's a friend, but it's a friend that's going to like push you. And it's not a friend that's, hey, do you want to go down to the pub? It's a friend that's, well, that's okay too, but you know, on the weekends or whatever, but not on a Tuesday afternoon or a Tuesday morning. It's like, no, we need to start working here for our future. And again, it's important to have goals uh, that are in alignment or uh, uh, it's important to have some sort of um, goals that are in alignment with each other. So then you can start moving together or working together. And even if you have the accountability partner, maybe, you know, linking up in some way, shape or form, creating some sort of joint venture or some sort of, you know, it does spark from there. That's what I found with my friend is that, you know, it's great to keep each other accountable at the start, but then when you start really getting into each other, you start helping each other a lot. It's like, what can we actually do together? We looked at a vending machine business. He's doing his own thing. It's his own business to help them get into a position where he doesn't have to work anymore on a day job. It's amazing. And yeah, he's forever grateful for that. And I'm forever grateful for him. Kind of build pants. Very powerful. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And it's, you're both helping each other on your growth journey as well. And it's, it's kind of that exponential effect, again, having your accountability and then seeing how you can help each other to grow as a result. You're serving each other in that. In that, That's something that I really do respect. Yeah, you know, I've taken a lot of respect from you in this podcast, just here talking to you in terms of, you know, listening to have, sitting down with a friend and going to, you know, your, your garden or going to some positive place. Like that's it. That's it. That's awesome. And that's awesome. Maybe, maybe we could link up and do that sometime, Eugene. Yeah, straight to my garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, another thing we did touch on, and, and I think it's um, it was it was when you're starting your recovery, and you kind of you start small, and and you work from there. And I think that's something that I, I like to cover a lot, especially with give yourself some leeway. It's like sometimes you want to make that change and next thing you start looking into how do i make that change and you see all these different strategies and tips and tools and you're like oh i have to do this and this and this and this and then i have to take on this system and that process and you get so overwhelmed by all the tools out there and you're like where do i start i don't want to do yoga i don't want to do meditation i can't do mindfulness i can barely keep i can barely like keep one straight thought right now where am i going to start and a lot of people fall off. So what would have been one of your first steps in terms of maybe starting a habit to get you on the right path? So drugs consumed a lot of my life at that time. That was like, you know, a daily thing. So there was a lot of extra, there was a lot of time I could move into. And if I, if I was to start like three or four things nowadays, I think I'd find it very hard because I would get overwhelmed and the strategies and all these things and all the knowledge I have now is like time management and all, oh my goodness. But I, at the start of that journey, when I was coming out, I was like, I don't know, I just listened to Les Brown, I listened to Tony Robbins, I listened to, uh, I'm thinking of 
you know, Eric Thomas, if you know all them motivational speakers, and I'd just be jamming them out hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in my, in my mind. I used to be a shy kid when I was like a kid. I used to be a shy kid and I would be afraid to work out at home. You know, these are all the self-beliefs and, and crap I was telling myself. Well, I actually was told this and I believed it. So the, okay, all the crap stuff I believed. But then I said, listen to these tapes. I started you know, sit-ups at home, started doing push-ups. My whole life started to, I started to feel good about myself. Oh my goodness, really? Um, then when I started to exercise, real small exercise. Um, when I started doing exercise, great, 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 great at home. I started to go for a run for the first time, could only run 60 meters. Now I'm on day 190, by the way, shout out to me as this goes out, 190 daily run count. Um, uh, and then I started to journal, journaling changed my life that first year. Then I also started meditating and then journaling and meditating for me, I don't really journal nowadays. I might do some meditation. I do do some meditation now, but them things changed my life at the start. And it's important to know, I think personally that it will evolve, it will change. You don't have to do the same thing. I think a lot of people beat themselves up if they haven't done a certain habit in a certain time, it's okay. You don't have to hold on to that, you know, guilt for not doing that in a while. Maybe it's not, it's, you know, maybe you've grown out of it for the time being, but uh, you don't need to have that guilt carried around, which because that's actually negatively affecting all areas of your life and all relationships. So what's that for me? Exercise, meditation, journaling, them things. I didn't know how to do them, didn't know the strategies. I couldn't overthink, Eugene. I couldn't, I didn't know how to be overwhelmed by them things. Them things were just fueling my day. But one thing that you have, and it's definitely something that you've kept track of on your Instagram is that consistency. It's you running for, again, 190 days. And I think another thing I think I've seen you have reels of is you, um, Drinking the the egg flip, the the raw egg. Yeah. How how did that go? How long did that go for? That was thirty days. I just listened to it for thirty days. Yeah, I just watched Rocky, and I said, I need to do this. And every time I watch Rocky, I'll I'll I'll, I'll run at any time. <laughs> like David, I Gollum. remember. Like as soon as I saw you doing that, I remember that was me back in um, my school days from first year up until sixth year. Wow. Every morning I'd have my Weetabix and next thing I'd get like three eggs. I'd mix it up and they're like, are you making scrambled egg? And I'm like, I don't have time for scrambled egg. And they'll just throw it back. Wow. And then they'd be like, they'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, it, it kept me full until like my break time at 11 a.m. So I was like, yeah, I just have my Weetabix, throw back two or three eggs. And uh, I was like, I can be digesting that protein. But for, for me, I'm, that's awesome. It, it was just something that I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a try. And next thing, I, it just became a morning routine on my school days. And um, then again, I, I think that contributed. I'm 6'4", so maybe that has contributed something to <laughs> epigenetically to my height. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think it's what, what the point I was trying to get at was the fact that you had those videos on your Instagram. Was that some way holding yourself accountable to stay on track every day and stay consistent on those habits? It's uh, interesting that you mentioned that, and I think it could be relevant for other people too, was, I don't know if you heard the Chris Williamson or Alex Mosey podcast, they mentioned, it's just a clip I've seen, maybe people have heard of, of you don't get confidence by sharing affirmations in the mirror. You know, you might, you might, I, I kind of agree with you do, but you get confidence from building a portfolio of successes that you've had. That's confidence right there. And it's like getting client wins, it's like having... Uh, runs, it's like doing the challenges, it's like running 100 miles, it's like doing the 4x4x48 challenge. It's having these milestones, marathons, charity events. 
it's these beautiful things that nobody can take them away from you. And the challenge is like, you know, my, me and my rock bottom and people listening, hitting their rock bottom and overcoming them. There's no way like that. How is that not enough fuel for you right now? That right there is like, that just keeps me burning inside. And anyways, there's a big like lighthouse inside of me beaming. And it's not every day, right? I will mention that it's not every day. Of course, it's not every day. It's not like, uh, it's not every day, of course, but it, it it's, it's majority of the days, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was Alex Hermosi as well. Uh, it's when you have self-doubt, what's the best way to overcome self-doubt? And it's to give yourself evidence. It's to go off. And if you feel that you're not confident in doing something, create evidence as to why you, you, you do have um, self-empowerment in that area. So if you feel that you're not confident in texting people or sending out emails, send out a thousand emails. <laughs> and next, and so it, it doesn't matter how bad they are. It was like, you've sent out a thousand. It, it, it can't be that bad. You'd probably improve somewhere between email 50 and email mm-hmm. 500. So it's, it's going out there and just getting the reps in. Just take action because some people get paralyzed and they don't know where to start. But sometimes it's just start small and start anywhere and do it enough times. You're going to get better at it. And then you can take it to the next level once you're confident with the small step. You know, just incredible stuff you're saying there. <laughs> There's the great advice for you, ladies and gentlemen, if you own a business, send out 1,000 emails right now. I love that. Really do. Uh, do that. Alex Mosey is right about the self deal. It's just, it's, it's probably the same podcast, really, uh, linking into uh, get a backlog of them successes and you will be able to fall back on them and the self that was just going to get smaller and smaller. I think you're always going to have it. I'm not sure about that, but it sounds like you will. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think here? another way, even, even going back further to like, what is the most ridiculously simple habit that you can start to better yourself today? And I always come back to this um, because when I first started out and I was trying to help people to, get on their self-improvement journey. And I started off and I was like, okay, I made this program, but it takes six to eight months. And next thing I was like, this is the, I was trying to find the best value I could offer someone. And next thing they look at it and they're like, oh, that, that's going to take way too long. I want, I want something now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to simplify it. And I was like, okay, I've got something that I can do six weeks. And then they're like, okay, it's like, and where do I get started? It's like, oh, that looks really long. So I brought it back and I was like, okay, Let's do something. And I was like, do I bring it back to 30 days? Do I bring it back to a seven day challenge? And I brought it back to, I was like, what is the simplest thing? What is the most ridiculous, simple thing that someone can do today, right now? And it's starting off your day with a win. So I think of the the simplest things at, at the moment, the two most simple things that I can think of are when you get up in the morning, drink a glass of water. You're hydrating your brain. You can think clearly. You're off to win today. I'm exactly the same. I'm sipping water all day, every day. Uh, Metaphorically used. And then my other one is uh, when you get up in the morning and you go to brush your teeth, smile. Smile in the mirror. And that's the first thing you do. doesn't matter how ridiculous that smile is. That's your first smile of today. And you're starting that chain reaction. If, once you master that habit of smiling at yourself in the morning, your next habit is the first person you see or um, whether that's your partner, your friend, your colleague when you go to work in the morning or even if it's your dog, just smile at them. 
and Amen. you're already starting that chain reaction where you smile at someone they're probably going to smile back your, your dog probably isn't going to smile back he's going to wag the tail it's 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 probably going to trigger the same response so you, you create that chain reaction of you're starting with a small habit that, that ripple effect and next thing you're cracking a smile and you're making you're making someone else's day it, it it's it's kind of sometimes when you smile at someone and they're not expecting especially early in the morning it kind of triggers them to be like they're, they're kind of caught off guard it's like oh why why are you so happy in the morning i better smile back not to look awkward and next thing their day is off to a good start and especially if you're working with them for all of the day you've probably started off their day to a good start and they see that you you're positive that morning so they're like okay i better see things in a positive light and it makes everyone's day easier so it they're the two things for me at the moment is having a glass of water and smiling just just, just one smile but that's all you need to do and then you're off to a winning start today a lot of people say the first win is you know make the bed that's that's a nice one too smiling there's a there's a poem out there and the poem is it's about smiling and it's in the poem it says you know, your smile is infectious. It is contagious. So your smile can literally go around the whole world. I'm not saying as poetically as the poem or, or whatever you read, you're supposed to read it, but it's along the lines of that smile is going to go around the world. So 2020, we should have got people infected on smiles here instead of, you know, the other thing that we had. But yeah, the first win, make the bed for, for myself. Um, uh, Mel Robbins, the girl who does the five four three two one you know get up in the morning she has the high five so she wakes up and she high fives herself in the morning that's her first thing that she does so a few tips for you there listeners this podcast is gold and will we will we be we're, we're, what, about half an hour into it damn we're we're on a roll and is your hand getting tired in the mic yet yeah <laughs> but it's all good it's all good it's good awesome so um in terms of let's say your your coaching style what is the best way for people to it's it's the bulletproof mindset right yes, what's sir. the best way for people to get on board with the bulletproof mindset what what's the what's the first step i i, I think this is coming back to I, again me with the glass of water or the cracking a smile what would be the first step to building on that bulletproof mindset so is this a matter of what can they do to create a bulletproof mindset or is that a matter of what can they do to is, is that the question uh yeah what would be the the pointing them in the right direction um whether whether that's let's say okay um, i thought we were gonna in, end in, there. i thought we were gonna go oh okay. no we're not gonna end yet no I, 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 I was just trying try to transition coaching. into your bulletproof mindset well hey yeah. we can end if you want <laughs> oh i thought you were gonna go into it well how do they get onto your coach and then bulletproof mindset i was like whoa, 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 whoa we still need to you know tick a few boxes let's say but in terms of bulletproof mindset, what, what's the new trend nowadays? Cold water exposure. Oh my goodness, we need to all do this. Now, there's, there's a million and one you know, tools and, and techniques out there. Again, I think it is, uh, maybe it's just me not using my imagination or, or helping you know, really right there. But what are them things that you can do that is going to be outside of the comfort zone? You know, I used to do push-ups in, in the airport, right? Because being delayed, so why I need to get some exercise in, right? Do it. I need to, you know, uh, just speak in front of speaking in public you know going to dublin city center and, and talk to random people it's them things that is like holy why the heck am i doing this that is just going to build up that bulletproof mindset it's an it's example after example after example that you're doing it so if you haven't got them things go back to what eugene's saying and what is them small things that you can do 
that would be outside of your comfort zone. Let's say you're playing for a football team. Eugene's not the biggest fan of football, as I found before the podcast, or sports, but, you know, it's okay. So maybe a listener is, but take it with a pinch of salt. It's not only football. Maybe you're a person who's a little bit shyer on the team. What would be a little thing that would be more out of the comfort zone? How would you be able to speak on the team? Could you get into a position where you're looking at maybe taking a captaincy just for a game, or how can you get out of that comfort zone? If it is just talking to someone at the bus stop, them things add up. They, they add up. If it is a certain personal goal, like a fitness goal, a hell and back, or hell and back this year or next year, whenever it is, by the way, I'm a little winner at that, by the way, but it's, you know, that's, that's the bulletproof mindset from training that's happened in the past. What can you do that is a little bit difficult, a little bit outside your comfort zone? And if it is cold water exposure, do it. What do you, what do you say, Eugene? Uh, Eugene? What do you, what do you think is something that would be beneficial for someone to get into a mindset that's bulletproof. I've given a couple of things there, but there is no one size fits all, of course. So your opinion is you know, just as valid as mine. Yeah, of course. I think it also depends what you mean by being bulletproof. Yeah. So for me, I mentioned this on episode zero on my podcast. Bulletproof is not a matter of <laughs> you're not going to get hurt. It's not a matter of you're not going to you know, die at the end of this trip. It's not a matter of you're not going to feel pain. You're going to probably feel all them things, but it, it means you're going to rise up regardless of them circumstances and them situations. It's not you're going to lay down and, and curl into a ball. You're going to pick up them, them rounds, if you want to use metaphorical in terms of bulletproof, and you're going to go again, and you're going to go again, and you're going to go again. We're all going to get knocked off the wagon, but not get knocked off the wagon is not the skill here. How quickly can you get back on the wagon? That is the skill. So th that, that's what I'll say. Yeah, and I think you made a very good point there. And if you think of a bulletproof vest, it doesn't mean you are completely, like every bullet that hits you is going to be painless. It's going to leave bruising. You're going to recoil. It's probably going to knock you down as well, if it's a, depending on the caliber. But it means that you can get back up again. You don't have something that's after piercing through like your internal organs. Um, it's it's something that it's it's there to help to protect you. I know a lot of people don't like the word resilience, but it does make you more resilient to something that is a weakness for you. It's 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 how you stand up to your kryptonite. It's like how can I put a casing around that kryptonite so that I can either be around it more often, or I can let's say get through my day and not be affected by that kryptonite or, or that weakness. I've been using a lot of I've actually found that a lot in the podcast using superhero analogies and there, there, there's been Superman there's been Batman you there's been in Super Marvel Mario in DC <laughs> are you what are you interested in Marvel and DC oh I'm geek I'm I, for anything Marvel DC <laughs> well, anime I am, okay. I, I'm, I'm way up way out that. there I mean it's very popular a lot of people will resonate with that so yeah keep doing it <laughs> yeah so it, it's just funny that's the way that the analogies tend to come back to but yes it's being bulletproof it's where do you see a weakness or what makes you really uncomfortable and i've always been very introverted or i've been seen as very introverted as well as that i don't like spending time in big crowds yes i can talk to a crowd but i don't like mingling with a lot of strangers and it, it's it's because it's hard to see let's say on face value where people are where people are coming from or uh, if their values align with yours, 
And some people put up a veil, they put up a mask and they have their public appearance. And it's hard to connect with them on a deep level. So I would rather spend my energy connecting with someone on a deep level. And that's why I have these conversations. I network with people over over Zoom and on the podcast and the likes. And I connect with people on a deeper level. It's not that I don't like talking to people. I just like talking to people that I can connect with, that I can resonate with on, on some level with. And I think one thing for me, and people didn't, uh, they, they, they were like, well, why is Eugene talking to so many like strangers online? Uh, and it's like, he doesn't, he barely talks to people that he works with every day. Right. And it was me getting out of my comfort zone. Because at first it was, okay, it is uncomfortable talking to new people. But at the end of the day, I was like, what is the risk? It's like, okay, this is someone from the other side of the world and the conversation doesn't go well. Well, I'm never going to see them again. So it's not as embarrassing or it's not as it's not going to have that much of a negative impact unless they're going to like move, move halfway across the world and move in next door to me. And then it's going to be awkward. But then it's like, what is the risk of having that conversation with someone? Is it a life or death situation? No. Is it going to impact me in my relationships? Is it going to impact my health? Is it going to impact my finances? Probably not. Very, It's very unlikely that it would. So it's like, what's that smallest point where I can, uh, I, again, make the smallest habit, the smallest change and do it enough times that I get comfortable with that discomfort? And um, yeah, I, I think that's how you build up that resilience, build that bulletproof mindset. What I would add, or what I just thought about, should I say, is it is a case by case example. So I don't know if what I'm saying, you know, cold water exposure or do higher training or go in public speaking. I think it's, I don't, you know, they're all tools, they're all things you can do, but I think it's a matter of asking yourself questions. And Eugene's prompting the question of what is the smallest thing that you can do? That is the question that needs to be answered for you, the listener. So whatever answer comes up for you, that is the thing, right? we could just sit here and talk about million and one other things. If it's make the bed, if it's do this, if it's do that, if it's clean the room, as, as Jordan Peterson says, you know, simple analogies, simple things that have a compounding effect over a long run. So the question is, what is them small things that has gone to add up to you getting a bulletproof mindset? Boom. Da, da, da. Answer, answer, answer. Go do them things. You're bulletproof. Buy into that belief as well, by the way. Work on the beliefs. That's awesome. And I suppose wrapping up on then your, your bulletproof coaching and your bulletproof mindset, what's the best place for people to get in contact with you, Gary? Definitely Instagram at Gary Coach Clinton. No doubt about that. Emails. I mean, I can't believe we're still using emails out here, but, uh, you know, email 1000 people, as Eugene says. No, definitely Instagram at Gary Coach Clinton. That's it. Email is king. I, I, I don't get oh, the, all, all, all the negative on, on, on email. I was like, yeah, I love when people reach out and email. Like Instagram is so mainstream. It's so easy to send a DM to someone. Yeah. And and sending an email, you can really like, if you want to get to know me on a personal level, get to me on email and hey, we can set up a call from there. They're, they're the really brave people. Uh, it's, it's, it's like they're the people who want change i'm like okay you've emailed me now email me a thousand times more yeah and, and then you'll get out that discomfort it's the discomfort of sending that email it is so much easier to send a dm but hey if that's a good starting point for you send the dms yeah 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 
So uh, DM Gary, DM Gary Coach yeah, Clinton. Yeah. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm so not up to up to speed with email, but yeah, social social platforms get me on there easily. Awesome, Gary. It's great great chatting to you, and it'll be great to have you on the show again. Awesome. That'd be that'd be that'd be great fun, Eugene. I really enjoyed this. Um, thank you for the experience. I hope the listeners got incredible value, and I hope to I hope to see you again, Eugene.